0: this is a really good technology to train dental students with.
1: I just recently started engaging with dental schools. You'll start seeing this getting used in dental schools as well. And the schools are very excited about it. You must listen. Welcome to the Drilling Millions Podcast. The The Drilling Drilling Millions Millions Podcast. Podcast. Lessons from some of the most successful dentists on the planet.
0: I want you to deal with your problems by becoming rich.
1: Presented by Sage Dental Partners, your practice transition team.
0: That escalated quickly.
1: Coming to you from Toronto, podcasting, podcasting to the world.
0: Please welcome, Please welcome. Akil Chawla. Hey, Drilling Million listeners. This week's podcast is with Dr. Warda Enam. Warda is the CEO of Overjet. Overjet's an incredible company that's gained recognition from Forbes magazine as one of the top AI companies uh, shaping the future, not just dental companies, but AI companies. We get into what Overjet actually does. Overjet is an AI powered tool that helps detect caries, periodontal bone loss, uh, and other pathologies. Through the radiograph and we end the conversation by talking about how this is changing the face of dentistry. This tool allows patients to really gain an understanding of what radiographs mean beyond you know little white or uh, black dots that that you know may end up costing patients thousands of dollars. So we talk about how this is building trust uh, between not only patients uh, and uh, dentists but also dentists and the payers, uh, otherwise known as the insurers. Uh, really great conversation. Ward is a phenomenal person to talk to about all things AI. You'll you'll realize that there are a number of uh, occasions where I confess my stupidity in AI. I really don't have a background in machine learning or uh, that space, so she really has to do a good job of dumbing it down to my level so I can understand it. But I figured you know not a lot of people do have a backing in AI. I feel like everyone just thinks they know what they're talking about, but no one actually knows. So it's a really good conversation for someone who really wants a, a intro crash course on uh, the applications of this incredible technology and, and how it's changing the face of dentistry. Uh, I hope you enjoy. Why you built a business in dental, some of the challenges with building a business in dental, um, that's not direct patient care. And if anything could be learned from Invisalign or any of these other really great technologies that is that, you know, sometimes the technology part is the easy part. And the hard part's actually getting the dentist to buy in. Um, so, so what's your experience in that?
1: Yeah, so I think for us, as we started um, in in the space, uh, in, like any new technology, uh, first uh, you know people say, okay, why is it really needed? Well, you know, I, I'm doing my job. Okay, uh, it's uh, if it's the uh, the more innovative it is, uh, the more it, it's not not that obvious that I would want to use it. So, I think that was our earlier reaction when we, when we started it's like okay the first few dentists we started with they were uh, you know they were like okay this looks good i really don't need it but but i can see who'll need it right i can see all oh, my associate needs it you know and or this so and so needs it etc and and that wasn't very interesting that we realized that hey you know for us to Sell this, uh, although, uh, you know, and if the dentist is the buyer, uh, maybe it is for the associate, maybe it is for, you know, uh, people that, uh, the, the, and this is where you can start from. And uh, and so we started selling, uh, we started off with DSOs as our primary customer. And, and DSOs had a real pain point, which was, you know, your getting a lot of uh, uh, dentists into these practices who who are coming right out of school uh, and and they require a lot of training uh, as as well as uh, um, they're not that confident in their own diagnosis and uh, communication. So can this technology be used to uh, supplement them to to be more confident in the diagnosis and and educate? So starting off with that, but then what they started realizing was, wait, like we can actually use it to actually improve how Patient communication is happening, and that's for everyone, that's not for the new dentist, etc. Because any dentist can use it to better communicate uh, with the patients. Because if you know a dentist ha- need, needs to now go and mark up every x ray, uh, and, w- w- and measure every bone level, etc., that's not you know possible. And and if patients are, um, ex- uh, are better informed using that information that it helps them in treatment acceptance rates, that's really good for um first for the patient because they're getting the, the right care, but also for the practice because they're uh, th- these are treatments that, that are medically necessary that should have happened or not happening as well. So uh, so over time, it you know, it has evolved and like the more and more use cases are coming out as well. People are u- utilizing it to communicate more effectively with insurance companies because they can just take that data, uh, print it out and se- send it uh, to the companies as well. They're also using it to do their morning huddles now uh, of utilizing that data to say, okay, what... What did we miss? What should we focus on? Um, and and uh, just in general to create more consistency across the dent, uh, across the different dental practices to ensure what, uh, which practices are doing well, which practices need more help, and how can they help them? So a lot of use cases have developed from the original uh, uh development of the software as well.
0: Yeah, well, my initial thought was, man, this is a really good technology to train dental students with because. Yeah, you, know, you should be screaming at the CDA and the ADA, saying, "Use this as the dental, you know, acceptance exam. Screw, you know, putting keys and sockets and, you know, how many sides does this have? It's just, you know, can you beat the AI algorithm at detecting if this carries there or not? Like, is your <laughs> is your color sensing better than the AI? I feel like yeah, that's no. a way better use of it."
1: So one thing, the good thing is, you know, we've uh, just recently started uh, engaging with dental schools. So, uh, you know, you, you'll start seeing this uh, hopefully getting used in dental schools as well. Uh, and uh, and the schools are very excited about it.
0: Yeah, it's a great tool. And it's something that, you know, if you have hundreds of or thousands of images in your database, you could just, you know, at home, say it's like an hour of training Okay, maybe not an hour. I'm a dental student. I don't, I don't want an hour of training, but, you know, say it's like, 15 minutes like you need to just for 15 minutes just is that carries or not is that bone loss or not is that you know assist or not and just keep going through it I feel like it's a fantastic training tool
1: every morning this is what you do before you uh brush your teeth no I'm just kidding
0: (laughs) yeah no don't please don't pitch that to my school (laughs) I'll know I'll know who to email exactly So I mean, I mean, dentists are a very unique class of people. Um, you know, I've dealt with them for for, for many years now. Um, and I work with them day in and day out. How is it selling to dentists in particular, like you said, like the, the ability to just show them uh, rather than tell them? What, what are the unique aspects about selling to dentists that, you know, may not exist in other industries?
1: like dentists uh, as a customer as well uh and why is because they're also business owners usually so uh, uh and i think that is very unique in, a, in the medical profession uh and, and where they understand what roi is <laughs> and and you know and if you can understand roi and if a product brings a lot of roi uh then it makes sense uh for them and i think also the you know I think the 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 fact that or what we discussed earlier with them not fearing it them you know and, and excited about uh, utilizing new technologies at least especially the the dentists coming uh, you know in, in recent grads etc like they're very excited about you know new technologies etc there's some cool technology already that they utilize uh, uh, so the and and uh, so it's something that you know I, I think we haven't had. Sales isn't a challenge for us. It's like, how do you make the software better? How do you, uh, you know, uh, make sure that it's being used and it has less friction in the clinical workflow that those are the things that we work on. And I would say the product does sell, sell itself.
0: And how do you see, you know, given your 30,000 foot view in the industry, how do you see dentistry changing? I know there's a big push towards digital, digital dentistry. Um, how do you see the whole landscape changing?
1: So I, I would say, you know, even we're possible because of digital dentistry being an important piece of it and the trend starting about like 15 years ago, ago or so, right? So, you know, once you had the analog x-rays and you didn't have practice management systems, Overjet could not have existed as well, right? Because you needed all the digital x rays to train on, uh, to to learn from, etc. So you needed that to happen. And the and the, the good thing is that, you know, when when it is such a win, you can't stop it as well, right? Like when, uh, uh, where the momentum is there and in, for digital dentistry, now you don't want, uh, you know, now nobody's going back to an analog x-ray. Now you've, you know, it's been exposed to digital x-ray. It doesn't make sense. The same way as uh, that now, you get, you know, as as more and more people start using uh, scans or intraoral scans, you know, going back to the uh, the uh, the manual uh, uh, way of scan- scanning or not scanning, just taking the impressions, it, it's pretty cumbersome and, uh, you know, so it'll take some time for the behavior change to happen for these uh, tools to become more integral part of uh, the workflows. But once it happens, it really fundamentally changes stuff, right? Like, I, especially when you're thinking about these... Uh, you know, milling a crown in, in, in or, or creating a crown in your practice, right? The same day dentistry, there's there's some like really exciting stuff uh, that's that's coming, which also, or, or of course, there are people utilizing it as well. But as we look at it, the whole industry, there's, there's a lot more that needs to happen there. So that in the end, you know, the patient experience improves and i think just to keep that patient in mind that's why people became dentists that's why we're in this space that's why insurance companies exist that, you know that we all like exist to serve the patient and improve better oral health for, or create better oral health for them uh, and and help improve uh these these systems and processes etc such that they can receive the best care so i think in in the way we look at it is you know the, all the technologies which are here to improve uh, patient uh, care and experience, the, that's the right trend. And those will stick and, and hopefully will uh, become more used. Uh, and things that are just there because people are used to them, you know, uh, over time, uh, they'll start to decrease as well.
0: So you mentioned DSOs, um, dental service organizations or corporate dentistry. Um what sort of work are you guys doing with them? Because right now uh, it, it's fairly mature in, in, in the U S but you know, it's just starting to get big in Canada. Um, so, so explain to me how, how overjet works with the DSOs.
1: Yeah. So uh, in in Canada as well, you know, with your, uh, there are some large ones like dental corp and one, two, three dentists, et cetera. Like, you know, if uh, I think at least for, from what I, uh remember dental market is like one tenth of the US market. So the numbers that you guys are seeing is like you know uh, now in double digits, right? Uh a penetration uh, a, 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 of or percentage penetration for DSO. So th- that is a trend that's uh, that that's also uh, very hard to stop now, and and the and the trend is basically that it makes more sense for consolidation to happen uh, because uh, w- with practices, uh, you know, multiple practices coming together or being put under one managerial organization, what happens is your costs can decrease, uh, and your revenue can increase, uh, especially when it comes to insurance companies, uh, et etc. So better reimbursements and and decreased costs can allow you to have better margins, and uh, and and that. Um, you know uh, in the end uh it's something that that's going to increase there's also uh dentists who were owning these practices getting older and older the, that transition needs to happen as well so um at least in the us uh i think you know there is like there's no one body giving us the exact number but you know anybody anywhere from 25 to 30 percent is a number that's being quoted nowadays in the penetration of DSOs uh, uh, as compared to all the practices that exist. So it's something that, you know, and and when I started, it was people said it was like 20% uh, or it was like 15 to 20. So I think that there's a lot, you know, this is growing fast and it's uh, it's something that um, it makes a lot of sense.
0: And when was that? When was that 15
1: to 20%? It was around like 2018.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They've they have they have certainly exploded. Um and at a certain point it's gonna become really hard to outcompete uh some of the some of the DSOs. But in general, I I sort of I have, I have quite a bit of empathy towards them because you know, we've had on um you mentioned one, two, three. Um our first episode was actually with the, the CEO of one two three. Um on my old podcast, we had on the the president of Dental Corp. So I've actually spoken to, you know, a lot of them personally and 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 they do get a bad rap uh, or they do get a bad rep um sometimes undeservingly so um but it's, it it's interesting to sort of see the progression of them and and kind of um it, it's interesting to sort of predict where they'll sort of plateau and 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 where that sort of growth will um you know sort of look like the legal industry where it's kind of like 50-50 where you know there's still a good amount of mom and pop shops but there's a lot of the big corporate lawyers um but taking it sort of back to the AI model, like I said, AI, me, potato, no knowledge of it. So how do you train this AI? Is it physically dentists, you know, manually going in and saying, okay, this is caries, this is not caries, or this is bone loss, this is not bone loss. What does that process um, look like on the back end? um uh,
1: Yeah, and before I, I get to that, uh, I'll just uh, touch on your uh, comment on DSOs as well. I, I think at least the way I look at it is, you know, you had uh, these managerial organizations start, started and they started taking more uh, or more, uh, they started growing and you didn't really have tools to understand how are my practices doing clinically. You had financial tools. So you could always look at QuickBooks and look at, you know, the financials and say, okay, is my production low? What's happening in my collections? What's happening in my costs? But you did have, actually any uh, tool to figure out like how's my clinical performance doing are the practices doing well or not uh, is there over treatment is there under treatment um and the only way to do it was through chart audits so and chart audits are not scalable at all so if you look at you know a practice and you say okay you know what is feasible to do you hire a dentist to look at some charts of you know you can't look at every chart uh, and usually DSOs would have something like okay we'll look at 10 charts of every dentist every month you still cannot find, you know, uh, that's not statistically significant. Uh, you might, you know, get an image where it might, uh, you know, thing, look, everything is OK. Or you might get an image where it might look uh, not OK at all. But I, I think, it, it, you know, it was something that I would say the, the DS was really didn't have tools. And I think that's where I'm very excited about. By using overgen uh, uh, technology, you can actually understand the clinical performance of a practice and you can if you can understand the clinical performance now as the owner of that DSO you can actually make sure that you're doing the right thing uh and uh you know because it's very hard to manage if you're talking about hundreds of practices and making sure that every practice is doing the right thing and even if one practice screws up it like looks bad on you that that's hard to do but if you have the right tools so that you can actually have more standardization across the practices you're making sure that the right clinical care it it is happening. You can actually uh it you know it's better for the patient, better for the practice, and better for the DSO as well. So I I'm actually excited in terms of like where we are and uh, and enabling even if this you know this this is a, a a trend that that's going on, we do it in a way that's best for the patient too. Uh, now to your second question of like uh, how do you um uh, how do you train these um AI models? The way it is is exactly what you're explaining. Uh, there there are a few ways of doing it, right? Like, and you have to choose yourself. So there, there's supervised learning and there's unsupervised learning and there's, uh, you know, or you can have the middle of it, like semi-supervised, but, un, you know, uh, supervised learning would be what, what you mentioned where you literally have, uh, say in this case, an x-ray and you basically ask a dentist to say, what do you see in that x-ray? So say, if you wanted to teach the uh, model, what, to like what 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 teeth are or what tooth numbers are, you would ask them to mark up every tooth and label it as you know. Okay, this is tooth number two, this is tooth number four, or or, uh, or you know whatever uh, 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 you know scheme you want to mark that uh, in, and the, then you use those images to train the models. And here, what you're doing is is, is feedback. So say if there was uh, a tooth in the image and you and you uh, predicted the same tooth, uh, then, then that's great. And you're providing positive feedback. Say if, if you uh, there was an implant and you said it was a tooth, then it says not really. And you're giving it feedback such that it's, it's learning. So w- once you do that um, thousands of times, hundreds of thousands of times, millions of times, you've learned now every piece of it where you're like, okay, here's a cavity, here's a tooth, here- here's bone, bone, bone levels. And that's one way of training the models, which is very, you know, you can see it's very labor intensive because sometimes what you would also do is not have one input. So teeth might be fine, but say if you're looking at caries lesions, you would want probably multiple inputs as well because you know sometimes a dentist might say there's there's uh, nothing another dentist might say there's something uh now what do you think you know is really there like you want probably another dentist to come in and and how do you actually deal with that uh variance and those are techniques on how do you deal with that but you can actually learn from multiple dentists for on the same image as well uh so so the model gets better over time uh and and that's you know, but then there are techniques of how do you, you know, say if you've learned it on, uh, um, you know, some images or say you've learned uh, uh, what, uh, uh, you know, uh, for, for like primary teeth look like. You can take those images and use like transfer learning, something like that, where you don't have to train every other model, but you can use the basics of that to train another um uh, uh, you know, condition, which it hasn't seen. So like, say, if you've done all bite wings and you wanted to do PAs, there's a lot of things that you can learn from the bite wing and apply it to the PA as well. But of course, for PAs, you'll probably want to put some more information there. So there's some interesting stuff you can do there, but also there's like other ways of like, uh, really like learning from, um, uh, you know, uh, by from the practice management system itself and other things too like what you heard? Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen and follow Drilling Millions on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube for exclusive clips.